0: Good morning. I'm George Polnarchy. And this is Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. The New York City accent is distinct and unmistakable. From James Cagney to Woody Allen to Rosie Perez, you know they're from New York as soon as they open their mouths. The nonprofit organization CityLore recently hosted an accent slam to suss out the best New York City accent. Barbara Mensch was among the contestants.
1: All of us in Brooklyn don't talk to each other. We talk, we scream. When we say, it's time to eat supper, we say, it's time to eat supper.
0: City Lore sponsored the Accent Slam as part of its Mother Tongues exhibit. The exhibit explores New York City accents and languages that are fading away. The exhibit runs through April 16th at City Lore at 56 East 1st Street in Manhattan. Among the other participants in the Accent Slam was Michelle Carlo.
1: I'm a writer and a performer and a storyteller. Where are you from? I am from New York City. I have lived in four of the five boroughs. You lived in four of the five boroughs. Where were you born? I was born in Washington Heights. I grew up in the Bronx. I lived in Astoria for a little bit, and I've called Brooklyn home for the past, oh, geez, almost going on 27 years. So I've actually lived in Brooklyn longer than I've lived anywhere else. So I don't know. Do I get to say I'm from Brooklyn now? Or maybe it's like, you know, some people are bicoastal, some people are bisexual. I'm by borough
0: How would you describe your New York City accent
1: I would say that it's an amalgam. It's like all the places that I've lived, all the people that I've known, and all my extended family, which is from Puerto Rico. I'm Puerto Rican. And also the neighborhoods where I grew up. We were the only Puerto Ricans in an Italian neighborhood in the Bronx back in the 70s. So, yeah, I I think it's a total combination of all of them.
0: How much do you think that ethnicity, though, has influenced the way you talk?
1: The way I talk? I think it, the way, for me, the way I talk, I think, yeah, I think totally does. Because, like, I would go to my abuela's house, my grandmother's house, and, you know, she would be there, like, like, talking like this. And then my titties would be there, and one of them talk like this, and one of them would be like, oh yeah mira, we gotta do this, you know, so. And then I'd go back to the Bronx, and I'd go to school, and then people would be like, Yo, Vinny, what's up, man? Hey, hey, you know, so, yeah, there you go. But nobody spoke like Bugs Bunny, though. And that was supposed to lead like, the stereotypical Bronx accent, right, from from back in the day. But I think that that old-time accent is totally faded. And honestly, I think that this might be my conceit, but I think that my accent, my specific particular accent, represents, like, the future of New York City because it's multi-ethnic, it's multicultural, and it's not really steeped in like what the old stereotypes were. I mean, the, come on, the last person that said toy toyed, and toyed was like Archie Bunker. Or I should say Archie Bunker.
0: How much of your accent is who you are, your identity, how you feel?
1: Do you I, think about that at all? Yes, and here's why. Because when I first started out to be a performer nearly 20 years ago, every single person in every single acting class I went to told me I had to get rid of it or I'd never work. And I was sent to many different voice coaches, and I spent money, and actually one kind, kind lady took me under her wing and basically worked with me free for, like, over a year. And then I think she finally threw up her hands in disgust because she couldn't get it out of me. And then by that time, I had discovered the alt comedy scene on the Lower East Side, and I was just like, I'm going to be a performance artist. I'm going to be funny. Who needs to speak with a standard American accent? You know, I could fake it because I am an actor after all. But you know what? This is the way I talk. And if I feel like it, this is the way I talk. You know what I mean? So what? What?
0: What? What? Yeah, what? What? <laughs> what? How do people react to your accent outside of New York
1: City? Um, well, everybody knows where I'm from, basically. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think there's there's no hiding it. But their pride in that. I yeah, there's a kind of like bad kid sitting in the back of the school bus in the 1970s. Pride in there, you know. I I think so. For me, anyway, I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for anybody else. And I don't know. You know, maybe it's indicative of my generation. I grew up in the 70s. You know, someone that grew up in the 90s or that that you know is growing up now, their experience is totally different. You know, there were still race riots in high schools when I was growing up. It, I mean, that was the Bronx was burning back then. You know, not where I live specifically, but, you know, it was like Ford to City. I remember dead. it, yeah. You know, you we, we trying to sneak in the CBGBs when you were 14 and getting thrown out because you looked 11. Yes, that would be me. <laughs> yeah, but what was the question? <laughs>
0: I think you answered it. You answered it. We hear stories, of course, that the New York accent is dying off. Um, That we're becoming homogenized. What do you think about that?
1: Not as long as I'm alive.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, George.
0: Michelle Carlo is a writer, performer, and storyteller with a distinct New York City accent. Michelle is featured in a documentary that explores the history and state of the New York City accent. It's called If These Kanishes Could Talk. Joining me in the studio now is the woman behind that film. Her name is Heather Quinlan. Heather, welcome to Cityscape.
2: Thank you very much.
0: So If These Kanishes Could Talk, the story of the New York accent, your documentary. Tell us about it.
2: Well, it's about uh, where the New York accent came from, uh, how it evolved, and if it's disappearing as the New York as we once knew it is changing.
0: So let's ask the big question. What is the state of the New York City accent?
2: (laughs) Good question. Um, Well, it is definitely evolving If your grandparents are from New York and uh, they're still around and you talk to them, they'll say things like beautiful or sandy Claus" or things like that or turlet, which you won't hear in this generation anymore, definitely. As to whether it's disappearing, it's definitely disappeared from the wealthier parts of the city, Manhattan, parts of Brooklyn, you know, even parts of Queens now. But uh, it's still very prevalent here in the Bronx, Staten Island, Um, You know, in the in the outer outer boroughs, you will hear it more than not hear it. Why is that? Because uh, the accent is still a working class accent. And uh, there's a lot of immigration from coming into the city from within the country. And uh, a lot of it tends to be people who do have the kind of money that they can now afford to live in Manhattan. Um, so they're not going to have the accent. So I think, you know, the still more affordable parts of the city and the parts where people who come from out of state, you know, very few people are going to live in Staten Island at this point. After they build the Ferris wheel, who knows? Maybe that will change the (laughs) accent. I don't know. But virtually almost no one is going to be living in Staten Island. Very few people are going to be living uh, in the Bronx. There was an article in The Times where a guy was talking about how he he was from Spain, and he lived in Manhattan, and he was like, I won't live in Brooklyn. That's not New York City. And I was like, that's just Brooklyn. I mean, yeah. you know, so anyway, uh, you know, one thing I did talk about in the movie, too, is a lot of the immigrants from uh, outside of the U.S., the new wave of immigrants from places like Asia, Africa, Russia— they might be the people who are going to continue the accent. Um, You know, I have people in my film, one person who was born in Korea but grew up in Staten Island and so sounds kind of like Robert De Niro. I have someone else who was born in Bangladesh but grew up in the Bronx, and so people think she's Puerto Rican. So they might be the people who actually carry it on in generations to come. We'll see.
0: Are people caught off guard when someone who looks a certain way talks and sounds like a true New Yorker?
2: Absolutely. Um, well, the the man that I have in the film, Ben Lee, uh, you know, I think people tend to group all Asians together as all being newly arrived. In fact, there's that new TV show that just debuted last night. I think it's Fresh Off the Boat. Um, so we, we kind of group all Asians together as, as one culture, Chinese, Japanese, whatever. But, you know, they're just as varied as any other group. And it's funny, too. He not only... You know when I first talked to him I talked to him on the phone and I knew he was Korean but I really couldn't picture him at all. Um and then when you do see him his face is at odds with his accent cuz you're just not picturing it but the funny thing is too the accent is also very physical it's very you know kind of gestures and 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 he has all that too. Um it's not just the spoken part it's it's the elbowing part and the and that that you can't see me do on radio. <laughs>
0: That being said, how does the New York accent show itself in sign language?
2: Oh, yes. Well, I have um, someone in the film. His name is Samuel Carabayo. He is a uh, director in the theater for the deaf in Long Island City. And he was showing how, uh, you know, sign language very much has the attributes of a spoken language. It has slang. It has a dialect. It has Changes over the course of generations in, in what he was showing was that deaf New Yorkers sign differently than other deaf Americans. They sign faster, uh, more cursing, different slang. For instance, uh, the way that a, a deaf New Yorker will s- sign for another New Yorker is to kind of point to the armpit as someone who's a strap hanger ah. like hanging onto the subway uh-huh. thing, um, something like that. That isn't a sign that's used outside of New York. So, yeah, I tell people that there's an accent in sign language and it just blows their mind.
0: Let's peel back some layers here, actually, and go even deeper. What exactly is the New York accent when we talk about the New York accent? It's easy for us to talk about it, especially because I think people are very familiar with it from popular culture. But what does it really mean to sound like a New Yorker?
2: Like I said, uh, there's definitely the physical part too. Uh, there's it's an aggressive accent, no doubt about it. It's not genteel. It's not Blanche Dubois. And it is reflective of the city that it's in you know it's a it's a small city in a lot of ways, and there's a lot of people and we'll all sort of have to push each other around to uh get through so I think the accent reflects that um it also when you when you're if you're asking about you know the the genesis of it, where it came from, there are different influences um and one thing that sets the New York accent apart, I think from other ones as well it's more dialect is is the Dutch and kind of words that we have and, and things like that. But um, it is largely from England. And when you hear an English person speak, it sounds more intellectual and it sounds sweeter than a New Yorker. But the attributes are all still there. Um, For instance, when uh, Obama, the election campaign, uh, this past one in 2012, I was listening to Sky News, which is a British news channel. And they were saying Obama and Iowa. And they were saying it nicer than that, but it was, again, the same thing, you know, that like how we would, uh, you know, Victoria, things like that, Astoria. It's the same thing, and, you know, um, the English colonized a lot of port cities throughout the East Coast, so there's a lot of similarities in the Boston accent, say. It's not all the same, but there are similarities, Philadelphia, and then I also have two people in my film who are from New Orleans who have what's called a Yat accent, um, short for Where Yat?
0: Okay. And they
2: sound like Brooklyn by way of Alabama uh-huh. or something. They have the same kind of the, the dropped R's and the same kind of uh, kind of toy toy and toy thing. But then all of a sudden they'll just have this sort of southern lilt to it as well. But then, you know, there's also a Yiddish influence in the New York accent. I was just texting someone this morning saying he should live so long, you know, things like that. The, the flip syntax. And, you know, there's there's a million different parts that can go into it, and it is sort of what you make it. But uh, it is sort of beginning in England, and then it sort of branches out into different ethnicities, Italian, Jewish, Irish, Puerto Rican, African-American, that kind of thing.
0: And is that why the Bronx accent is different than the Brooklyn accent because the populations are different? Why are those accents different by borough?
2: They really aren't different by borough. Is that right? That is a popular misconception. Huh. If you... Take someone with an Italian New York accent from Staten Island and one from Brooklyn. You're not really going to be able to tell the difference. It's all Italian. Same thing, you know, Puerto Rican from uh, Manhattan, Puerto Rican from the Bronx. You're not going to be able to tell the difference. The difference is in the ethnicity. So, so yeah, a Jewish New York accent would be Woody Allen. Uh, an Italian New York accent would be, you know, half of the Godfather, it would be Al Pacino. Both are speaking New York accents. But the ethnicity is different. Puerto Rican is Rosie Perez, Spike Lee, African-American, Irish, me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, I would say like Jimmy Cagney, someone like that. The one New York accent that really has died off is a very elite one, like uh, George Plimpton. Okay. That almost sounds English. You know, we don't pride ourselves on our elitism. As Americans, we pride ourselves on our working classism, whether we are or not. That's sort of who we think we are. And so that accent has really, really died off. And there was even a thing in the news this week about how Mayor de Blasio had said the word neighborhood Mm -hmm. in his State of the City address. And was that really, you know, uh, genuine or was that him putting on uh, air, so to speak? And I think, you know, politicians tend to want to try and... Seem like one of the common man instead of, you know, someone who's more the crown. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was possibly the reasoning behind that.
0: Why do you think it is that there is this belief that Bronxites sound different than Brooklynites?
2: Well, you know, I think we're wired as humans to sort of have this us versus them mentality about anything, uh, you know, uh, even poor Staten Island, I keep bringing it up, yeah. I'm from there originally, but you know nine out of ten New Yorkers will not believe Staten Island is really part of New York, um so there's always that kind of like uh kind of clash thing, and you know way back when there probably was more of a difference between a Bronx and a Brooklyn and a Queens because people tended to stay put where they were. Um, you were born in one neighborhood and sometimes even in one house and you never left it. Um, but obviously that's not the case today. People move around much, much more. So it, it's not as isolated anymore and it's much more fluid. So I think it might've been held over from days of yore in, uh, New York um, but I think it's also you know just kind of the way we are that we're better than them or we're different from them, or you know that kind of thing too.
0: We do have this very unfortunate stigma attached to the New York accent that when you talk like this, you're not very educated. Why is that?
2: I think all in the family had a lot to do with that. um sort of it 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 brought the accent to a bigger population, and I talked to a lot of people who. Because of that TV show, we sort of became self-aware of it, had no idea they had a New York accent. All of a sudden, it's not only do you have one, but you're kind of a moron now. And it depends on the person. It depends on the individual. Some people will try. It also depends on, you know, their, their line of work. Uh, some people will try and lose the accent. Um, some people won't. Some people are very proud of it. And will deliberately, even if they move away, hold on to it as part of their identity. I think there's the flip side also. uh, And the accent, uh, in some ways, yeah, you can be kind of adult and kind of a thuggish type. But then the other side is, too, you can be sort of street smart Mm -hmm. and uh, slick and, uh, and that kind of thing, too. I think, you know, people want an accent in... They're uh, tough guys and they're cops and they're firefighters and that kind of thing. Where they don't want someone with an accent is in their surgeons, say, and, um, you know, a lot of probably teachers and educators and professors. So it's definitely a class-conscious thing, I, conscience thing. I, I, or, um, I will say I do have a doctor in the film who is a rheumatologist who sounds like he's from Bensonhurst? I think he's from Borough Park. Just as brilliant as any other doctor, but he talks like this, you know? But people love him. Who's to say?
0: All right. Heather, thank you yes. so much for coming in.
2: Thanks, George.
0: <laughs> Heather Quinlan is the director of If These canishas Could Talk, the story of the New York accent. <laughs> You're listening to Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. Good morning once again. I'm George Borarki. When you're a kid from the Bronx and you want a career in broadcasting, you may work to lose your New York City accent. I know, because that's what I did. I no longer have coffee and go to the office in the morning. I have coffee and go to the office in the morning. Rochelle Olivera is in the business of helping people lose their accents. She's the founder of Accents Off in Manhattan. Rochelle, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me.
3: Sure. Nice to talk to you. So
0: tell me about what you do to help people eliminate their accents.
3: Well, we, first of all, get to know the person. They come in for an evaluation, and we speak with them for a little while and get to hear them in speech. Um, If they're reading something, we can hear their accent in that way as well. Uh, A lot of the actors that come in like to read parts of their scripts, and so we get to hear a whole Cross section of the way they speak, and we break down their accent in terms of pronunciation, intonation, resonance, and tell them in the end what it is they should work on based on their goals, and then proceed to work on whatever it is that you know is, is of greatest priority first, and on down the line.
0: What are some of the reasons people come to you to eliminate their accents?
3: Well, there are different reasons. Actors obviously want to have more versatility in roles, uh, but then you have a lot of people who are just professionals working their way up in the careers, and they'd like to make sure there's nothing distracting others um, and nothing that would uh, cause them to possibly be judged in any negative way, stigmatized. Um, so I get a lot of a lot of people who are uh, younger and new in their professions that really want to make sure there's nothing in the way for them. And then you have some people that just really want to sound more American, whatever that means to them. Uh, in, in case of a foreigner, they just don't want to sound quite as um, as much as somebody who has come here. And the first thing that that people say to them would be oh, so where are you from? And a lot of people get very tired of being asked that question, so that's one of their primary goals. Uh, New Yorkers, uh, sometimes if they have any kind of a strong regional accent pattern, they try to go for something that sounds more like broadcaster or standard American English.
0: We often hear nowadays that the New York accent is pretty much gone. We don't really hear the New York accent like we used to.
3: Well, it's interesting, and there isn't really a solid explanation for why that might be happening, um, but certainly you've got, um, you've got a lot more wealthy people living in Manhattan that have come from different parts of the country. Uh, New York is getting more expensive. <laughs> so I think that's one of the reasons why we're, you know, we're seeing a lot more diversity and um, a lot less of the classic-sounding accents that you might associate with immigrants and the boroughs and working class.
0: Now, of course, a lot of people would say there's nothing wrong with an accent. It offers a level of authenticity, but I guess it's really up to the individual, right, whether you want to have it or not.
3: Absolutely. Uh, I mean, we have have different impressions of people based on their accents. We may have, I mean, say Woody Allen. If he didn't have his Jewish New York accent, he wouldn't be Woody Allen to us, right? But then there are others who, you know, there are other uh, associations with with New York accents that aren't as flattering. So people get worried that they might get cast into one of those uh, negative categories.
0: Are people sometimes concerned that if they lose their accent, they'll lose their sense of identity, if you will, or their native way of speaking?
3: Well, I try to tell people right at the beginning, you're not actually going to be losing your accent. You're going to be learning a new accent. And so it's really—I uh, mean—it's difficult in the beginning if you try to maintain two accents. I mean, if you're trying to learn a standard accent, uh, standard American accent, let's say, or any accent, it's best to try to stay within that accent as much as possible until it becomes more of a reflex. But uh, um, I'm, I think that that's that's uh, the answer to your question—that people really should learn and think of it as learning a brand-new accent, and if they'd like to go back to their old one, they absolutely can.
0: How do you work to eliminate someone's accent?
3: Well, there are a couple of different approaches that I like to take. One of them would be a top-down approach, and that's a really important and quick way to change your accent, learn a new accent. It's like what somebody would do if they were impersonating or imitating somebody else and the way they spoke. For people to do that, though, they have to be very flexible. They have to have an imagination. They have to be willing to go out on a limb, take a risk, and try out new voices and new sounds. And it's it's a great way. I mean, and some people are very good at that. Uh, Some people have learned their their English, uh, whether it's British English or American English accents um as children they could do them and just by imitating they never had to study at all i tried ever so hard sorry i tried ever (laughs) so
0: hard when i was in london a few weeks ago and i just simply could Uh not pull it off i tried though
3: oh you couldn't pull it off no No. (laughs) Um, well it takes it takes a little bit of playing around and not being afraid to sound kind of weird when you first try but it's something I encourage people to do. Some people are more able to do it. They just have more of a knack and, and you know ability to do it and, and also are just going to have a little bit more fun trying. And I think they have a little more success. The other side of it, though, uh, especially for most people who may not have that ability, is more of a bottom-up approach where you really just teach the different components of the accent, the features of the accent that are most definitively shaping Uh, what it is that makes them sound different from someone speaking a standard American English accent.
0: Right. It seems to me that a lot of it has to do with the way you form words, the way you shape words with your mouth. For instance, I'm a kid from the Bronx, and I wanted a career in broadcasting, but I used to say coffee and office. Now, of course, I don't say that anymore. I say coffee and office. But I had to learn to reshape those words by looking in the mirror, which, by the way, I used to say mirror, now I say mirror, but a lot of it just had to do with how I shaped those words. Is that right?
3: That's right. It's the shaping of the words in terms of the individual sounds that make up the word, and the vowels are very often a big part of that, especially for people with a, a regional American accent. The consonants are, well, with the exception of the TH, the consonants are generally pretty much intact and in alignment with with how everybody in America does them, but the vowels are really key. So the coffee becoming coffee was you changing your aw to an aw.
0: And it took time, I have to say. It was not overnight.
3: <laughs> right, I'm sure it did.
0: Did you ever have an accent?
3: I had a slight tendency, maybe because I grew up in the Hudson Valley, I would sometimes do a eh instead of a ah, so I might have said dance instead of dance. Okay. That was the one the one thing that I was told by my first mentor, Sam Schwat, who I worked with for six years before he passed away. And when he was training me, he said, well, you sound good. There's just one thing I have to tell you. <laughs> then, of course, I fixed that right away. So,
0: What attracted you to this line of work?
3: Well, my first profession was a musician, and I have always been interested in language, in speech, in voice, and in accents, too, because my parents were both German immigrants and I grew up around German culture and I, I just liked the diversity of the accents that were around me and I wanted to do something that was very lucrative speech language pathology is a very lucrative profession has a lot of broad possibilities in terms of career choice but I also wanted to have that option of being able to work with accent and voice because it really interested me and reminded me a lot of what my musical background um, the same types of areas that I would be touching on working with sound working with the ear and very artistic and it's a lot of fun
0: is any particular accent harder to eliminate is it harder for someone to talk standard american english from any
3: particular background i would say yes there are some some language backgrounds where the speech patterns are really very very different from ours and and can be really Challenging to try to eliminate. I mean, you can certainly reduce uh, in all cases, but I would I would say the the French accent is pretty tough. Um, the uh, the Asian all of the Asian accents, especially when somebody really has a, a strong, say, a Japanese accent or a Mandarin accent, those can be pretty tough. Indian accents as well. I mean, the, from the Indian subcontinent, you can have some some uh, very strong differences in terms of not only pronunciation, but also intonation. For example, you'll hear Indian speakers sometimes get very, very, very flat and very, very fast, right? And right. so that, that is a big difference, a big difference from the way we speak American English where we're constantly stressing words and putting the brakes on in the middle of a sentence to try to make our point clearer.
0: Now, I'm not sure if you can answer this question, but why do you think it is that we're often attracted to other accents? Like, I'm in London, I love the British accent, or I hear a French accent, and it sounds so wonderful to me. Do you think that people from other areas find the New York accent or the American accent just as attractive and exotic, if you will?
3: Well... Uh, that's a good question. I've never actually heard anybody <laughs> express that they are they love the sound of standard American English. Right. But, I mean, they like New York. People from Europe love New York City, so I'm sure that it's part of the, the appeal. And uh, yeah, I, I know a lot of people who have accents don't like their accents, and they really do want to just sound like people hear sound, so... Uh, I guess I guess that's a way of saying that they like the, the sound of their American accent.
0: Rochelle, thanks so much for your time.
3: Thank you, George. It's been a pleasure.
0: Rochelle Vera is the founder of Accents Off in Manhattan. More information at accentsoff.com. New York on Sunday Big city taking a nap Slow down, it's Sunday, life's a ball,
3: let it fall in your lap.
0: And that's it for this week's Cityscape. Don't forget, you can download our podcast on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. We're listed as WFUV's Cityscape. I'm George Boldarki. My thanks to producers Taylor Nulk and Claire Drake. Have a great weekend. You can spend time without spending a dime, watching
2: people watch people pass. Later you pause, and in one of those stars, there's that face next to yours. It's
3: WFUV and WFUVHD
0: New York. Listeners supported public media from Fordham, the Jesuit
3: University of New York. Music discovery starts here.